You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everyone? It's Listener Questions live on Friday afternoon. For some, Friday morning for others. Good to have all of you with us. John rocking the Burrow Baby's lid. How you doing, John? Yeah, shout out to our friend Zim. It's Friday at noon, or one, I guess. I'm drinking Ryan Guy's Mathlete. It's the perfect like Friday lunch hour beer to drink. We're about to answer some questions. I love it. What, what style? What style of beer is that? It's an IPA, excuse me. Okay. Pretty flavorful, but... It's only like 4%, so it's like not even a beer. Okay. <laughs> That's good, though. That's good. Yeah. That, uh, I'm glad you're getting your weekend started off right. I, it's a little early for me, maybe a little later, but um, I, I'm jealous of you there. That sounds pretty good. Let's get to some questions, John. I'm going to let you bat lead off this time around. You've been a very busy guy. By the way, for those who do not know, there's a really rad article on CincyJungle.com, John Sheeran, he talked about it a little bit on our Wednesday show. He put it up and worked together in conjunction with Jake Liskow of Locked On Bengals, talking salary cap, etc. So go check that one out. And if you haven't yet, self, shameless self-plug, go check out our Wednesday show with Andre Parada because it's kind of salary cap 101. And you're going to get a lot of valuable info there in terms of what's going to come up for free agency, potentially for the Cincinnati Bengals. That being said, John, bat, us, uh, bat lead off for us if you would. Yeah, definitely go check out the article. And we're going to start, I guess, with a free agency type question. We had a question come in from Twitter via at Fanatic Cincy. He's asking, I believe it was PFF analyst Anthony Triesh that said it makes more sense to lock up William Jackson III opposed to Carl Lawson. Do you believe that is? Do you believe that is more of a positional value thing or wins above replacement thing or something else? Both would be nice. Do you see both back? I guess we can just go ahead and start with that part of the question. The, the final part, but do, do you see yeah. both back? I I definitely see one back. I think it's very conceivable that both can be back. I'd like to think that the Bengals would, would use the franchise tag on one and then probably be able to extend the other, I, I would hope. Um, I, I don't know where, where either of those guys' kind of mindsets are at in terms of direction of the franchise, direction of the defense, and based on, you know, I mean, they had a relationship likely with Carlos Dunlap and kind of saw what's going on there. They may feel that Geno Atkins is on the way out. Maybe they're close to him and they're just not liking the direction. I don't know. That's complete conjecture. Maybe they are liking the direction of things. I, I don't know. But I'd like to think they are able to at least hang on to these guys for at least 2021, maybe lock up one lock, long term and use the franchise tag on the other. In terms of the question above it about the value of position and which player to to keep, you know, I, I, I just – I don't know that I fully, I mean, I think both guys are valuable, but I don't know that I fully agree with the assessment that William Jackson, the third is in a corner is more valuable than an edge rusher. Um, especially just, 
uh, both those both those positions are going to be big needs for the Bengals this year if they end end up losing a lot of the guys that they have set to hit unrestricted free agency. But um, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of on the boat of get get effective edge rushers and get after the quarterback, especially in this division. So I've been pretty firm in the stance for the past month or so. I think the Bengals are going to do whatever they can to bring back Carl Lawson at least for one season. If they have to use the franchise tag, they will. A good friend of the show, James Rapine, reported on allbengals.com that the Bengals are willing to use the franchise tag if they can't uh, reach a long-term deal with Carl Lawson, which is what they're going to try to do for the next two weeks. So I think there's more confidence that they're going to do something like that than it is with William Jackson. William Jackson's situation, it just really seems a lot like the Kevin Zeiler one, whereas they value William Jackson, but not even close to what he could get on the open market, which is why the Bengals never really offered Kevin Zeiler a legitimate contract extension. They just allowed him to test free to see waters ended up with Cleveland for like 60 million. I think something like that is going to happen with William um, because they're going to invest in Carl Austin and they're probably just going to choose one or the other. And it just comes down to they they picked Trey Waynes last year in free agency. They could have extended William Jackson after he had a couple solid seasons. After that 2017 season, they sought better fit to invest that in Trey. And I just don't see them signing William to a deal that reflects what Trey got after they just signed Trey Waynes last year. I think they want to see what he can do. And I think they value Trey Waynes as a high-quality cornerback. In regards to the PFF analysis, PFF is, is great in what they do. And I think um, a lot of... One conclusion that they drew that they drew from their analysis is that individual cornerbacks can be more valuable than individual pass rushers. And while from year to year, like secondary play is a little bit more volatile than like edge rushing play, I think if you just isolate a singular coverage defender and a singular pass rusher, that singular coverage defender may have more inherent value to him. But if you just compare, I think Carl Austin and William Jackson, their different profiles, their ages, how you know. One's, com- one's comparative upside to the other and the fact that Williams closing on 30 and Carl Lawson's only 26. I think all those factors kind of tell you that Lawson may just be the more valuable player, but I understand the argument about p- positional value, and I think that's what Triash is getting at. Yeah, and we'll, we'll move on here, but I mean, like like I said, if either guy bolts, I mean, the well is is pretty dry at both position groups. You've got Trey Waynes, thankfully, and hopefully healthy coming back this year. But Mackenzie Alexander is also set to be a free agent. You're hoping that Darius Phillips continues his development then if you do let William Jackson walk. And then, of course, if you let Lawson walk, you're kind of looking at Sam Hubbard and a bunch of kind of what ifs because you let Carlos Dunlap walk. So it's just, um, you know, either way, it's it's a risky proposition if they let either guy walk. So I think, you know, at least for the time being, if they're able to at least hang on to both guys for, you know, twenty one guy for 2021 and then the other more long-term. I mean, that's just, that's a win for them. And it just helps them go more BPA in the draft. I'm going to, just for the sake of time, John, I'm going to kind of combine a a, a bunch of different questions because they're kind of related. We've got JT in the live YouTube chat. Do you see the Bengals trading for uh, Havenstein or Ramzik? Um, both offensive tackles, Havenstein with the Rams and Ramzik with the Saints. And the Saints are in a real bad way with the salary cap. Um, we had a question um, from Ron Muir on Twitter, um, and then another another person echoed it in here. Let me see who it was. Uh, Nick Harvey Parks talking about Isaiah Wilson. That's kind of a, a you know uh, <laughs> an issue there. So 
I, I don't know. I guess let's start with Wilson because we've had multiple questions on that and we can talk about the other guys. But Wilson, a lot of baggage there. One year removed from a first round pick. I, I don't like the baggage. I don't like the, the stuff that's been trickling out, especially recently. But if he can be had for cheap, maybe even he gets cut. I'm kind of like, well, you're in the third year of the Zach Taylor era, and you kind of need to swing for the fences in some of these things and, and try and grab something that works, especially on the offensive line. If the price tag is cheap, both contract-wise and draft capital-wise, why not? But I understand the baggage. There is so much here. <laughs> like Honestly, it, it really comes down with Isaiah Wilson if you are a fan of him uh, in last year's draft. And if you remember, he was the quote-unquote riser, which is total BS anyways. It's completely fabricated based off what teams, what media members hear from teams. Like, oh, yeah, this guy is apparently a... No, he, Isaiah Wilson was always looked highly upon in, in NFL personnel's eyes. And then he just started becoming this first-round option in mock drafts as like April came on. But... I don't remember a lot of people really loving Isaiah Wilson for the majority of the draft process. And all of a sudden he was just this guy that was touted as a first round pick. I didn't really think he was that good of a player and worth that type of a pick. And if you're thinking, okay, this guy was was overrated to begin with. And now he's, I mean, going down the line here, a DUI in September, he was um, suspended for violating club rules early, later in the year. He was on the COVID list like twice. There, there was a police report about him jumping off a second story, but, uh, contemplating jumping off a second story balcony. And he was placed on the, on the non-football illness list to, for personal issues. And now he's tweeting about like he's done with the Titans. Like this just seems like a situation where you, you don't do anything because in all likelihood, the Titans are going to get any compensation for this guy and they're going to release him. And if you then you want to take like a, a vet minimum flyer on him, that's fine but committing any draft capital to this dude I, I don't see it we've got a call coming in we will get that in just a second here but um yeah i mean the the situation with it is like you said the baggage is clear and the look i mean i, I like i said i kind of am in the boat of let's let's let zach taylor kind of swing for the fences a little bit there and see if he can fix the offensive line a little bit. But here's the thing, the caveat to it too, John, is, you know, you listed that, all the stuff there. The the, the issue with it is, of course, the, the quote-unquote emphasis on character by Zach Taylor. Now, there's been a lot of examples as to why he, that, that has played into that emphasis. There have been a couple of glaring examples that have not played into that emphasis. So I, I guess my point is in year three, maybe that's where you maybe bend that a little bit. If Zach Taylor feels that his seat is hot coming into this year, I mean, the team needs to win games. And I don't know that Isaiah Wilson is a guy that's going to come in and, and, you know, provide that for you, even as a, uh, you know, a low risk, high reward type of situation. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I, like like you, I would prefer if he's cut, maybe you take a flyer on him then, but it's an intriguing option. What what about Ramzik and Havenstein? Is are those more viable? I think Kat Terrell, who used to cover the Bengals, now she covers the Saints, said that a Ramzik trade would be unlikely for the Saints just for their whole catch purposes and how much they have invested in him. Havenstein is another story. Um, I, I think you would look at that as like a trade that resembled what the Cordy Glenn trade was back in 2018, where they like give an overall compensation that equals like a third round pick. Paul Daniel Jr. of the, of the Athletic outlined what a trade would look like and the fact that Zach Taylor has worked with ha- having seen before with the Rams staff. They know who he is. He has two affordable deals 
years left on his deal. I think that makes a lot of sense if they were if they're willing to be aggressive about it. Well, the Bengals need offensive line help for sure, and you know they that may be one of the routes they they go is a trade or a flyer type of option instead of maybe at number five um, or or top of round two. We'll see. Hey, John, you know what time it is? It's Terrell time. It is Terrell time. Terrell joining us on the OBI line. Terrell, how you doing, bud? How y'all guys doing, man? You know, it's you know it's always a pleasure uh, just talking football with you. Some some real good guys that just trying to bring our team to glory. And you know, we got a couple uh, things that we gonna we gonna come together, especially with the uh, new uniforms and uh, hopefully the uh, ring of honor. But uh, I heard y'all was talking about uh, just where everybody was trying to keep who we gonna keep, who we gonna lose. But uh, I. I want to do a sign and trade with William Jackson hmm. and try to get Gilmore from from New from New England and and um, and give them the, the fifth pick and we will get a ninth or tenth pick and and see and, and just follow, follow along like that and then hopefully we get Tony. Everybody's saying we get Tony though uh, because he's from Dayton, but uh, hopefully we get him. Um, I think he is gonna cut Bobby Hart or uh, somebody. They got a lot of money, but that that we really don't need, and they definitely gonna get cut. But I think it is gonna be Bobby Hart. I, I hope it ain't Gio, but, but that's my hope. But uh, other than that, man, I just hope that Bird will come back, man. That's my only word. And um, I just I just wish uh, Mason uh, run the ball, man. Don't be dancing around. And, um, <laughs> Hey, yeah, hey, Terrell, there, Terrell, did you, Terrell, did you happen to read the article by Elizabeth Blackburn? And if so, what'd you think? Just quickly. Oh, uh, she, it's, it's beautiful. I, the reason, the thing I do like about it is, uh, and I was just talking to Flyer Rick about this, uh, Mike Brown is finally letting his kids and his grandkids in the new age and the new generation just, just, you know what I mean, fill him up. Be sold before it's over, and I really do hope that uh, we at least get to uh, the uh, the championship before. Well, uh, hopefully, you know. I know Mike Brown wants that. Well, thanks for calling in, Terrell. Always good hearing from you, bud. Take care, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Oh, All right, take it easy. Um, I, I guess you know his main his main question or comment was kind of the sign and trade situation with William Jackson. As much as that kind of would be fun and a little bit Madden-esque, I don't, I don't know that that's very a, a very realistic option, and that's just not something. The Bengals may be more aggressive than you, they usually are in free agency. I don't know that they're going to do the sign trade and all this shell game going on. That's just that that seems to be a little bit outside of their wheelhouse to me personally. I honest, I don't even know. I, I think the NFL like denied the Saints from like doing a sign and trade with Jadavion Clowney last year. And it's like, that's like the difference between the NBA and the NFL. Like you see sometimes sign and trades in other leagues and you just don't really see that in the NFL. And especially with a team like new England, like the whole reason why I think they are shopping stuff on Gilmore is because even though Gilmore is a good player, like he's a pro he's I think 30, 31 now and his best days are probably behind him. And I don't see them looking at William Jackson and thinking to themselves like, yeah, this guy has a lot more upside and a lot more years left in the tank when he's almost almost the same age as him and not, not as good of a player. So it's an interesting thought, but I don't really know if it really applies with these two teams and in this league. 
Yeah. But, uh, I'm going to let you choose our, where we go next, John. Before we do, I'm an idiot because I did not let everyone know how to get in touch with us at the beginning of the show. So you can call or text 949-542-6241. You can email us, theobinsider at gmail.com. Tweet at us at BanglesOBI or uh, John or I, if you follow us on Twitter, you can tweet questions at us. We've got live chats going in the Facebook page, the Cincy Jungle Facebook page stream, the YouTube live stream, as well as on the post on cincyjungle.com. I think that covers it. So uh, if, if for some reason you did not know how to get in touch with us and you want to submit a question, get at us one of those variety of ways. So we had a question from AI in the YouTube chat. He's asking, any chance the Bengals trade back for a guy like Caleb Farley? Personally, he's my favorite cornerback in the draft. So let's Let's talk about like just trading back in general. I don't think teams trade back for specific players in mind. Like they have obviously a list of candidates or prospects that they deem worthy of a pick in whatever part of the round that they're in. But Caleb Farley, he's a cornerback from Virginia Tech. He um, opted out of the previous college football season because he knows he's going to be a first round pick and he's that good. I think he's the consensus best cornerback in this draft, I guess, along with Patrick Sertain of Alabama. But I, I feel like Farley would be a definite option. Say they let go of William Jackson. They don't seriously replace him in free agency. And they're in, I guess, that 7-10 to 10 pick range where one of those teams like the Panthers or the Broncos or whoever would want to trade up in front of Philadelphia to get a quarterback. Farley, I guess, is an option that they would they, they could probably consider if they don't uh, want to take one of the offensive tackles who isn't Pene Sewell. But Farley would be, a, I think, a name to remember if if they go down that path. I don't think they would like trade back specifically for him because I don't know if teams really do that, but he's, he's a guy to remember. Yeah, and this is also, this ties into another email we got from Patrick Esther talking about if Pitts and Sewell are off the board at five with so many quarterbacks, do, do you move back or stay put if you're the Bengals? So it kind of ties in a little bit. Again, depends on free agency. That's going to dictate a lot of where the Bengals go in the draft. And then, of course, who does go in front of them when they sit at number five. I wouldn't rule out cornerback. The thing is, John, is, you know, this this team really liked to, to pick. What would they have, three first-round cornerbacks in a matter of, you know, seven years or something um, between Leon Hall, Jonathan Joseph, um, you know, you had William Jackson in there. So, I mean, they they love their first-round, Darquez Denard, so I guess that's four. Um, you know, they love first-round corners. However, that was in the Marvin Lewis era. Um, defensive-minded head coach. So it would be interesting to see if some of these big offensive names are off the board at number five, if the offensive-minded head coach still wants to try and get that offense moving in a, in a specific direction, whether that's offensive line, maybe it's a Rashawn Slater move back or what have you. Um, maybe it's another wide receiver, one of the Alabama guys. I don't know. Or if he says, you know what, we're just going to kind of continue to stockpile the defense because we were uh, we maybe lost William Jackson and then injuries hit us particularly hard on that side of the ball last year. I don't know. Interestingly enough, for those who like and respect Daniel Jeremiah as I do, Caleb Farley was in his top five overall prospects as of, uh, I believe, earlier this week, top five overall prospects in this year's class. Um, not He did not have Panay Sewell. He did not have Rashawn Slater. Um, he, you know, he had Kyle Pitts. He had a couple of the quarterbacks in there. Um, but Caleb Farley, that was not – I mean, I knew he was very, very talented. To me, it was just like, oh, that's in his top five. Um, you know, you, you're so used to thinking about offensive linemen and such. So um, – I don't know. I, 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 I'm kind of with you, though. If they lose William Jackson and Mackenzie Alexander, they may say all of a sudden, man, we need a corner. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 
I, I know Farley's not a slot guy and Mackenzie Alexander is, but they're going to need bodies there. So um, that, that may be where they go. What else are we seeing? Oh, I, I saw one from our buddy Andre Parada uh, in the live Twitter chat. Um, is Billy Price salvageable with Pollock being back, the offensive line coach when Price was drafted? Is there hope? And again, catch our episode with Andre talking salary cap and free agency with him. Really interesting stuff. Great guy and a very intelligent uh, Bengals fan there. So what do you think? You, you've you interviewed Billy Price. And we had that on our show a while back. Um, sharp guy, very personable. We'd love to have him on the show again. But, um, I, you know, obviously his career has not gone anywhere close to where we all hoped. Is he salvageable? Like uh, as a quality of center that you would expect in the first round? Probably not. He's like 24, 25 at this point. Um, that would be unlikely, but as a solid starter, maybe I, I think um, uh, like looking back at what he did in 2018 when Frank Pollock was here, I think, that season looked better in hindsight than it did when it actually happened because there was these high expectations for, for Price that year. But I think if you compare Price in 2018 to the last two years, I, I think Pollock did actually do some good things with him, and he's only regressed ever since then. And, you know, it sucks because a, a team labels you as a first-round guy and you're thrusted into a starting position that you may not be ready or qualified for, and that's really what happened with Billy Price. I don't think he's... A, a, a bad person by any means i think he's a great dude i talked with him i think he's got a great work ethic too but you know that that's the nature of this if you are selected in a place where you're expected to be a high quality starter and you just may not be talented enough yet or just physically gifted enough to really fulfill those those expectations you're going to be looked at as a bust but i don't i don't think he's a bust mentally or anything i think a re a being reunited with the, the coach that was here originally can, can help him out. But also we had a question about Trey Hopkins and apparently according to Tyler dragon of the Cincinnati choir, he talked with Hopkins and he said that Hopkins will be ready to return for training camp, which is kind of surprising because he tore his ACL in January. And that'll be an interesting competition. If Hopkins isn't maybe quite a hundred percent, you know, I, I'm sure price will definitely get opportunities and, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he can do in his last year. But I don't know if he's salvageable to the point where he's worth, he becomes worth that first round pick. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And Kelly Villaro, I think was the one maybe you were referencing in the live YouTube chat about the, the comment on Hopkins. Um, I, I, I think salvageable is a, is a subjective term and it depends on what you mean. And there's all kinds of variables uh, in that part of the equation uh, along with Billy Price not being able to beat out other guys on the roster is, is health, right? Health. And then yes, there's the coaching aspect and the scheme aspect. There's also a positional aspect. Is Billy Price a better center or a better guard at the pro level? Um, That's debatable. So again, and salvageable, is that a solid starter? Is that a a spot starter? Is that mean a, you know, near pro bowl level? It kind of depends on what we're talking about here. Um, I do agree with you in the fact that the team overdrafted him. They kind of were, were played scramble because they did not have a center really under contract at the time, and they weren't giving Trey Hopkins the time of day at that point. So they wanted to invest in that position because Frank Ragnow got yanked right out from under him, one pick ahead, and so they kind of scrambled there. But, you know, I think I, I think if there is a time – for Billy Price to be salvaged, now is the time, and this year is the time. He's he's supposedly healthy. He's got a few years under his belt now, and Frank Pollock's back. That seems to be the best equation for him uh, to, to be able to be productive in this offense. Agreed. 
you want to go next? Uh, sure. Let's go to Dave Lennox in the YouTube chat. He's asking, you guys have discussed many different offensive linemen like Taylor Moden, Trent Williams, Joe Tooney, etc. What are the team's options if, God forbid, they all get franchise tagged or re-sign with their respective teams? We've talked about a couple of these options in our free agency profiles, but what names kind of stick out to you? Filer. Um, you know, I, I, Matt Filer of the Steelers, not necessarily the the sexiest free agent name, but a guy who can do some work at guard, can play potentially at right tackle, knows the AFC North, and, you know, a guy that I, I just think makes a lot of sense from a value perspective. Again, not a guy that will really move the needle a lot, but, you know, I, I think he could be an upgrade at right tackle and, and or help you out at guard right away. And so that's one guy. And then I think, unfortunately, then that forces the bang. If, if a lot of these big name guys are off the market, um, you know, I, I think some of the trade names we mentioned earlier, Havenstein, Ramzik, those may come come to uh, fruition there. Or, you know, I think the Bengals just may say, hey, you know what, we're going to load up a wide receiver. We're going to load up at other other areas in free agency. And then we're going to basically go trenches in the draft. I, I agree with all that. I think. Uh, Moden and Williams you can count on either like Moden I think is coming back to Carolina like they've yeah. hinted at franchise tagging him and they've cleared space to potentially sign him Trent Williams is going to get a lot of money I don't think the Bengals are going to shell that much money for a starting tackle Joe Tooney I do believe will be available I don't think the Patriots are going to tag him again and they're apparently not even close to a contract but say they don't go to say say they deem him out of their price range I think finally makes a lot of sense because of this one important thing the Bengals are not going to wait until a draft to cut Bobby Hart. I'm pretty confident in that it's not going to be like an eighty dollars situation. Like they're going to try to maximize the cap space that they can get by cutting Bobby Hart, but they're not going to go into the draft needing a right tackle. Like it makes sense theoretically to replace Bobby Hart with Panay Sewell, assuming that Sewell's there or or just one of the tackles there. Logistically, though, it doesn't make any sense to go through the entire first three waves of free agency and not sign at least one guy to just like pencil him in at right tackle. And Filer makes a lot of sense because you can pencil him in at right tackle, but he also has guard experience. He played left guard last year for the Steelers, and you can pencil him in at one of the guard spots if you don't happen to sign a guard and Sewell's available. So Filer, as a guy who has guard and tackle versatility, makes a lot of sense from their perspective because they can still draft Sewell and start him at right tackle, and then they can just move Filer into guard. So Filer seems like the best guard tackle swing type of guy that that can be a quality starter that, that they can sign and they can still sign him along with along with a joe tooney or whoever else they might sign on, on the more expensive side of things yeah and they love that versatility on the on the offensive line sean from cincinnati asked us in a couple of different ways i believe text and maybe twitter as well or maybe email i guess um but basically, give me your prediction for the starting offensive line week one. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I guess if you if you tell if I'll go back to what I said a couple months ago on Twitter. I guess I would go right now. I would go Sewell at left tackle, Tooney at left guard. You've got Hopkins hopefully back. Maybe that's Price depending on the health situation there at center. I think you've got Quentin Spain, and then I, I guess you would move Jonah Williams to right tackle at that point. Man, like, I I think the one the, the two spots I'm comfortable. I think they're gonna keep Joan at left tackle. I really I really do. Um, I think they're gonna have one of tr- one of Hopkins or Price start at center. If Hopkins is fully healthy, I expect him to just take that spot back. Um, I think there's gonna be a new starter left guard. Ideally, you would want that to be a a, a two-year filer. 
there's going to be a new starter at right tackle. If if it's not a guy in free agency, it's probably going to be Sewell. Um, and then, I, I mean, they should get a new right guard as well because one of Xavier Suofilo or Quinn Spain, that, that's not their natural position, which is why, like, early in the offseason, like I talked about, like, the guys they have now, they're better fitted for left guards. Yeah. But the guys they can sign, the, you know, Tooney and Filo, they played left guards. So they have to decide you know which potential they want to maximize there so i think they're only returning two new start two starters from last year and i think they're staying in their spots but i i have no prediction right now <laughs> because we haven't even done anything so I'm, I'm assuming three new starters but hopkins and williams stay where they are at yeah i wouldn't be surprised if i swapped you know some somewhere in that mix if i swapped out maybe a quentin spain or uh maybe even sewell for matt filer because we've been talking about him i just think that there's a there's a fit there in, in affordability aspect too that that works you see some good stuff here mark young doing some research for us uh finished finished fifth among all right tackles and pass blocking grade in 2019 and then ranked 12th in that same metric among left guards in 2020 talking about filer um i i think it's it's your turn but i do want to i'm gonna maybe snake you here for for a couple john if you don't mind because we've got a couple people asking a similar mm-hmm. uh kind of some similar questions we've got robert obrecht saying what's up guys who day for life uh thoughts on linebacker this year either through the draft or free agency and then we had thomas bryant on twitter asking about KJ Wright to the Bengals. Um, you're, I, I think they did <laughs> more than enough at the position last year, and they still got a decision to make on Josh Bynes. But, um, you know, maybe another veteran in there somewhere. What do you think? Uh, I think Bynes comes back on a vet minimum type deal, maybe like similar to what he signed last year. And they just go in with Wilson, Pratt, Davis Gaither, hopefully a more healthier and ready to go Marcus Bailey like you don't have to touch that position which is the first time in I don't know 10 years that you can say that about the linebacker spot like if they find a guy that they like um for cheap or like late in the late in the draft then sure why not you're just getting a marginal improvement but not something that you need to prioritize at all yeah KJ Wright's coming it's he's entering his 11th year um, recently told the Seahawks that he is not going to be taking a quote hometown discount. He wants to get paid for everything he's done and who he thinks he still can be, uh, whatever that price tag looks like. I just, I don't think based on the Bengals investing so much in that position group, particularly in the draft, I, I don't see them doing much in free agency on that front. Maybe they bring in another body. If, you know, I, I think Jordan Evans is a guy that may be leaving. You mentioned maybe that's where Marcus Bailey ascends to the final roster and sticks there, especially with some, some better health uh, as a second year guy. And and maybe they just roll with what, what mostly they had last year. I thought, I thought Logan Wilson flashed quite a bit last year. Um, it would nice to, it would be nice to see what he does with increased snaps and, and hopefully he's a guy that ends up becoming a solid presence for the defense there. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't see much happening at linebacker. I think, I think this year is quite a going to be quite a bit about the trenches and, you know, maybe wide receiver corner. Um, what do you, wh- what do you want to go next? We'll be here for a couple more minutes. Let's go with Huday in YouTube comment section. He's okay. asking, can we afford Jesse Bates next year? If we sign uh, Carl Austin and William Jackson, that would be a lot of money designated for defensive backs. Yes, they can. And you can find out why if you read our article on Cincy Jungle. But essentially, look back to Joe Mixon's extension last year. He signed a $10 million signing bonus. He was given $48 million of new money over four years. His cap hit increased by about a couple million just from that signing bonus. Like Typically, the Bengals, they, they give a lot of 
uh, they, they give a year one roster bonus to guys that they extend. They increase their base salary. That They do that in order to minimize future cap hits for what we expect the Bengals to be at, aggressive in free agency and, and commit to all this new money. I think if if and when they do extend Bates, it's not going to affect the 2021 cap situation as much, which is why they can't afford it. So, yeah, they, they can do that. Yeah, and they, um, they – I mean, they really like to – extend some of their who they deem core players um you, you know that the the, J, uh, the jesse bates extension you if that does come you would probably expect that to come during summer right around training camp time that's usually when they like to kind of put ink to paper on those kind of things so um that's that's something and i like like you said i don't i don't think that that in years past that's the excuse that we would hear right oh they've got too many guys to extend they've got mm-hmm. to I, I don't i don't Based on what we saw last year and what the cash amount they have to spend this year, I don't, I, I don't see that being a, a, a viable excuse. I don't see that being a viable excuse going forward. I, th- I think they're able to do all of that and still get some outside help, uh, meaning Lawson and Jackson and extend Bates and get uh, outside help. There is no, there's no real reason why they can't do that. Uh, let's move on. To we had a comment in the Cincy Jungle post, Brewer of Doom. Uh, what do you think the Bengals do about kicker? I, you know, I they benched Randy Bullock at the end of the year. Uh, he missed that crazy field goal in Week One, and it's just you know he's he's had high percentage kicks, but it's all been kind of the the shorter distance stuff, the longer distance and crunch time kicks. A lot of times are where there are issues seemingly Darren Simmons and company have had enough of Randy Bullock. The other issue, John is uh, their long snapper. Clark Harris is an impending free agent as well. Quietly a very important guy. They also have Alex Erickson, another special teams guy that they, that they like. He's his production's fallen off quite a bit, but still they seem to like him. Darren Simmons does at least a lot, lot to take care of in the special teams department. But what do you think they do at kicker? Randy Bullock's not coming back. I think that's, pretty much assumed at this point. I think Cybert, Austin Cybert sticks around, but he's far from a lock to be the kicker. Um, I don't know what they do in terms of finding him competition. I, I don't really care. Like I, I don't waste time researching kickers before the draft or anything. I'm sure there's there, there's just there's guys who can kick and they find teams find them all over the draft or just off the street or whatever. Like they're gonna find another guy to compete with Cybert and It'll probably be the best man wins because that's what happened with Bullock and Jake Elliott a few years back, and that ended up being what it was. But Bullock's gone. Cyrus getting competition. Best guy wins. Yeah, I, I I think the Bengals maybe go the undrafted college free agent route, maybe seventh round pick if they take care of a lot of different needs and wants in the draft and free agency. I just I don't see it being a a. I mean, I think Darren Simmons will pound the table to get some help, but like you said, I think they'll they'll roll with Siebert and then maybe get another young guy to compete with him. That's probably where they're headed. So we had a couple of questions. I think I see one from John Wick. Damn, John Wick's in our chat. No, um, be careful what you say. Yeah, asking about uh, Larry War- Warford. Um, I think Larry Warford was a guy that opted out last year. He was a potential target as a cap casualty from the Saints. I if I remember correctly, um, his value has only probably decreased. He's just gained another age and gained another year in age, and he hasn't played in a year. But I think as a low cost option, sure, you know, if they kind of whiff on 
some of the more prominent names. I think Warford will still be in the conversation, but you know, it just depends on what his market is, you know, you know, for a guy who hasn't played and he's, I think now at least 30 years old, it'll be, it won't be as expensive as it was last year. Yeah. They, they were interested in him last year. They, you know, they, there was reports that they were interested in him and then, you know, he opted out of the season, a guy who, you know, made made a few pro bowls and is a very good player, but um, you know, there's a little inconsistencies with, I, I think some of his, P, I'd have to go back and look, but some of his PFF scores and some of the accolades he received, but still, I mean, a, a, a upgrade as to what they would have had. Um, and I think that's why when there was no Warford, when they saw Quentin Spain hit the open market, that's where they're going. Okay. Well, we got to, we got to pounce on this guy. So I don't, you know, if he's there, maybe they kick the tires, but it would be, I, I would assume just, you know, not playing last year, it would be a conditioning type of thing and, or, you know, how much are you asking for this time around? Um, we'll, we'll see, but uh, let's move on a little bit here and we'll, we'll get out of here in just a couple of minutes, start wrapping this up. There's uh, we, we can't leave without some Kyle Pitts talk, John. Um, there are a couple of questions. Wayne in Cleveland, I believe this was a, um, a, an email or a text, but why doesn't Zach Taylor value a downfield threat at tight end? I guess he's never had one. I don't know. I like, I don't really, I still can't explain the Drew simple pick that should have never happened. That was a massive reach on their part. Um, CJ is almost targeted pretty heavily, at least in the first two games with Joe Burrow. And there's, I think an article on bangles.com explaining that their rap, their rapport is only going to be increased as they rehab together. But I, I mean, I don't know what Zach Taylor prefers. I, I just know what he's had to deal with and what he's had to work with. And if he gets the opportunity to get a more vertical option there, I don't know why he wouldn't do it. So I, I just, it's kind of like conjecture almost and just assuming things that I, I just don't know. Yeah, we don't know what we don't know on this one. But it's also, I, I think, again, kind of to your point, you've never had a guy like that. Um, you've had You've had serviceable guys. You've had you know, guys that you can, you can do certain things that work well within your offensive scheme, but you never have a guy like this, wherein you would intentionally alter your offensive scheme to get him the ball. And mm. so that I, I think that that is, uh, you know, it, it's kind of at the point of, you know, who goes again in those first four spots. And if Sewell and Jamar chase, are off the board, it's very conceivable the Bengals look this direction. Maybe they move back and they do something different, but it's very conceivable that they look at this guy and just kind of say, look, we've got exciting plans for this for this kid, and we can, we can do a lot of different things. So, you know, it would be, again, another uncharacteristic type of, type of move or draft selection by this team, but, you know, it would be one that I think would and should energize the Bengals fan base especially depending on what they do in free agency, if they've taken care of a lot of different stuff. So um, what number do you think he wears? That was another question we got. 84 is available. That's yeah. what he wore in college. Yeah. Yeah. 84 is, is 81, 80. I, I know 85 is not, and I know 83 is not. So um, anyway, interesting stuff. Any others that we want to wrap up with before we bounce on out of here, John? Uh, I thought you had a call on the line, but, um, and then they, we lost him. So I don't know. I don't know what happened to him or her. So just real quick, we had a question from Mike Rawson in YouTube. He's asking about Orlando Brown who wants to get traded. So that whole situation is interesting. Orlando Brown is obviously the son of Orlando Brown senior. And I think according to Orlando Brown junior, his father wanted him to always play left tackle. That was a thing that he did in Oklahoma. 
Um, and you know, he claimed that people doubted him of ever becoming a true left tackle in the NFL. Obviously, he's been a right tackle with the Ravens. He played left tackle for them when Ronnie Stanley, their high-priced left tackle, got injured. He finished the year there. Now they want him to move back because they still have Ronnie Stanley. Orlando Brown says, no, I want to be a left tackle. Trade me. So that whole situation is interesting and kind of unique, but I think they're going to be asking for high compensation, and I don't see the Bengals giving the Ravens an in-division rival high compensation, even if it's a player that they could use. Agreed. I don't. I don't see him landing with the Bengals. It just from the divisional standpoint, I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I would think that the Bengals may be interested, but they also have Brian Callahan has recently come out and said he doesn't really. He's not keen on moving Jonah Williams around, particularly inside. So, I mean, we'll see if that means he's open to moving him to right tackle. But um, you know, I, I would assume the Bengals would have some level of interest. I know for sure they would have a level of interest at right tackle, but that's not what he wants, and so. I just I don't see an interdivision move, and if the Bengals were to get him, I would think that their price tag would be higher than most other teams outside of the division, just because of that that situation. I, you know, I don't know for sure, but if I was if I were the Ravens, I would say, well, you're, I'm asking more from you if if we're gonna face <laughs> twice a year again. I just that's just what I would do. So, and, and you um, know what? Cr- credit to Orlando Brown, who was who's so much better than what I gave him credit for. Like he had the worst combine and like my entire memory of it and i didn't think he was going to be anywhere close to this good but he landed in a fantastic situation with the ravens and he's developed as good as possible so if he wants more money because left tackles get more money then good for him he's earned it yep it was almost as bad john as the infamous andre smith pro day um that one was (laughs) that one was an utter disaster but that is that you know hey he ended up being a pretty good pro too. I mean, he had a, he had a handful of really nice years after some a rocky start and everything else with that. But um, yeah, good, good point with our Orlando Brown. Yeah, that that the that workout was yikes. Um, I think that's going to do it. Unless you see any others that that we need to get to here, I'll do one last scroll of the text. But uh, do you see do you see anything else that we need to get to? Hmm. I see. I see Kevin Zeitler reunion possible if he gets cut. I don't know that that happens personally. I think they'd probably go a different direction. Do you do you see that one ha- taking place? Yeah. So there's. I think there was someone who asked that to the athletic guys, and they said, yeah, if like if Zeitler wants to come back here for the same money, then I don't know why he wouldn't. It's just a matter of if the Bengals see him as a fit. Like, I, I think I think the whole thing with Zeitler is that he never really took it personally. He just. He, did, he didn't really care. He just wanted to go where someone wanted him and whoever wanted to pay him the most. And that's kind of, kind of what he did. He went to Cleveland with a smile. He got traded to the Giants so they can get OBJ. And, you know, he's just been a consistent pro for like eight eight years now. And I think the Bengals could get two more good years out of him. Yeah. I mean, I, it's possible. I just, you know, I, I guess I, I would think that they would just go in a different direction. But right. yeah, I guess it's possible. I guess it's possible. But that was another text we got. We're going to bounce on out of here. Get this show on iTunes, Stitcher. By the way, if you're a Stitcher person, um, I mentioned this on, on another couple of shows, but there is a Cincy Jungle Stream and an Orange and Black Insider Stream. Be sure that you go to the Cincy Jungle Stream. That one is the one that's consistently updated. We've got a couple of notifications from listeners saying, hey, Stitcher isn't updating. You got to make sure you're following and subscribing to the right stream there. But we're also on the Google Podcast app. We are on iHeartRadio. We're on, we're on all kinds of different stuff. So download if you like the audio side of the show. 
download it on your favorite audio streamer where also uh, all the videos can be found on cincyjungle.com's Facebook page on their website. All their all our stuff is on their website. And then, of course, our YouTube channel where you can subscribe. Um, there's a little icon underneath John there. And uh, by the way, that icon may we're, we're going to we're going to leave with a tease, John. We may or may not be changing that icon. We may be getting new stripes. Hashtag new, new stripes for us. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> we no may stone left on turn. Yeah, we may be doing that. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Thanks to um, an outside source of help. And we'll let you know when we do that. But um, we're excited about it. Anything else before we bounce on out of here, John? I hope you have a good weekend planned ahead, dude. Uh, I got a great weekend planned of doing nothing in this last <laughs> weekend of the short month of February. No, this is good. Um, I will talk to you next week, though. All right, cool. Thanks, John. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks, everybody, for submitting questions. This has been fun. Uh, this is Listener Questions Live on the Orange and Black Insider. We'll see you next time. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.